Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody? This is the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I'm with Trip Turlington and Tony DeSero. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Groovy. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you guys get a chance to listen to uh, last week's episode while you were out? The uh, the guest highlights. Get a chance to check that out. A little bit, yes. What did you guys think of that? Did you have any like favorite moments? Because I know that was kind of before. You know, this is like going back to 2013. Some of those episodes, so. It was a much, much different time, different direction and, and things. So I was wondering what you guys thought of some of those old clips. I think we've had some good guests on the Absolutely. show over the years. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, Vect was, it was a great, oh. uh, I mean, just, I mean, the dude's sick to begin with, but, I mean, just all the nuggets that he drops throughout throughout that yeah. episode I, I, and the clip that you picked out, I think that was a, a really good one. I think we need to see if he'll come back on the show. I bet he would. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because sure. he's, uh, he's he won the, uh, was it DMC 2015 online championships or something? And, yeah, he's he's yeah. won at least one or two awards since he was on last oh, time. Yeah. So, yeah, no yeah pretty cool. And, it made me aware of who he is. Yeah. And yeah. I did some research, and, yeah, he's amazing. He's a beast. Actually, yeah. we watched that video at my house. Yep. Yep. yep, and uh, that's off to you, Vect. Yeah, J- John Chapel's rant was always. <laughs> well, John, John always Chappell makes me laugh. Rant, yeah, John Chapel rant is always. Please come on back point. in, John Chapel. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And what was the the guy's name from uh, overseas? That was. Oh, talking? that was Airwave. Yeah. Okay, mm, the trance guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. good stories from him from the early days. Yeah, yeah, and uh, John Skinner too talked about the eighties uh, and nineties mm-hmm. and in Brighton and London and the, the old rave scene and. Yeah, that definitely was some some pretty cool stuff. So I was looking through uh, kind of before coming in today to record um, at, uh, you know, this is kind of NAM time. So, uh, you know, gear starting to show up and leak and all that kind of stuff. And so I was looking at kind of what's out there. We've got the uh, Denon MCX 8000. Have you guys seen this thing yet? Yeah, it looked like a, like Denon's answer to the Pioneer uh, SZ. And- yeah, it, it, it really is. It looks almost exactly like it. I've got right. Uh, picture of it i'll show it to you guys but um except it's massive i mean and and i thought it was just me because i mean i have the sz and i i I know that the sz is big but just the picture that i saw of that thing it it does it looks there's a picture of it next to the newmark nv which is a little smaller than i thought it was when i first time i saw it the nv is but still that thing is is beast well the uh, the the idea on that thing is uh, it's you know everybody's talking about who's gonna who's gonna make the first all in one that that you don't need a laptop for at all not right. that you can just close it and this Denon seems to be the ones that's uh, that's leading the front on that so they it's a large controller obviously it's got dual HD displays which you pretty much have to do at this point if you're making a <laughs> high end controller right. but it's fully standalone standalone operation there's no laptop required it can it contains uh, built in software called Engine which is Denon and sort of like record box, I think, um, equivalent. And uh, that's the the software which provides the means for it to play uh, standalone like that. But it's also compatible with Serato DJ, so you can use it like a traditional controller. Uh, and, and it's got dual USB, so 
you know, if you've got a Serato DJ and you just play directly on the unit or whatever, you can do that whole switchover thing and it, it and it works. So that's pretty cool. So it's doing everything that the SZ should have done. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it's got like a dual USB on the top, kind of like where you would plug them in at CDJs or, or something like that. And then it's got a powered one on the back, so you could just plug like a, an actual external hard drive or something into it. Uh, so it's yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, so so far, Engine the software is able to share the Serato library. It can import BPM loops, hotkeys, stuff like that. Um, but it's one way at the moment, so it doesn't go the other way mm. if you're if you play on Serato as well. You, can, you know, so yeah. uh, according to uh, DJ Works, which is where I kind of uh, pulled up this uh, little blurb, it's planned for Engine to import beat grids in future versions too. So, pretty interesting thing that uh, Denon's doing there. Um, there's also the Smithson Martin KS32. Have you seen this? It's like a big touchscreen, but it's a controller. I'll show you. I've got a picture for you guys too. If it's what I think so, it is, I, I may have seen like. No, I haven't. Seen so this. it's it's kind of like taking a big iPad or t- or Surface or something like that and putting it on a stand, and then. It it's a fully customizable, so it's it's that kind of you know if you've ever used Touch Osc or something like that, sure, uh, where you can make a custom MIDI map and stuff and lay it all out. Uh, so, uh, Digital DJ Tips says touchscreen console specialist Smithson Martin has announced a tabletop MIDI controller ahead of this week's NAM show called the KS32. It's showcased with a Pioneer controller template in the press shot so that it can be skinned with any number of configurations. The screen is a fast response, full HD spec, 32 inch wide, and the Emulator 2 software that powers the unit work now, see, Emulator 2. Emulator 2 was the, the native instrument, was the tractor one, wasn't it? No, it says Emulator 2 software. Okay, yeah, that must that's their Emulator 2 software that powers the unit, works with both, both Mac and PC, uh, ladder coming soon. It will go on sale in quarter two, 2016, at a pretty substantial twenty four ninety nine US. Mm. So, I'd want to put my hands on it first before I drop twenty five hundred dollars on it. Because I mean, you know, as cool as touch screen technology can be, uh, you know, there's there's always you know the the latency. latency. There's uh, you know just kind of. I want knobs. So I want something that I can actually I feel. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this, and especially the picture that I'm showing you guys, it's it's basically a, a DDJ a SX2 or right. SZ something like that. Yeah. And and it costs twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> right. But you get no physical. So yeah, you could go get a SX2 for what a grand. Yeah, yeah, or an actual SSZ with real knobs that I can touch and, and faders that I can touch. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about this thing. I, I like the customizability and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time, I'm like, well, why not get a large tablet, Android tablet, or <laughs> whatever, and put touch osc or any other kind software of software only. like that and do it for way way cheaper so i'm, I'm not sure for what sure. they're aiming at there but they say uh, the ks32 provides a comfortable space to give you all the control you need says carl detkin of the company he says choose from the many soon to be released templates for your preferred software load into emulator 2.0 and enjoy your creative works of art without fear of having any points of failure so it's cool to see the innovation and stuff. I'm not sure that I'm I'm really down. I don't really like touch screens in the booth at all, personally. Yeah, I I don't have a whole lot of uh, experience with them, but what little experience that I have had with touch screen technology, it's it's still got a little ways to go. And 
maybe this is laying the foundation for, you know, you're, you're, we're never going to move forward unless we start from somewhere. So call it a building block, but at $2,500, I, I got better places right. to put my money. I don't mind my ATM being a touchscreen, but when it comes to <laughs> DJing and using hardware and equipment, I'd rather have the equipment than yeah. the and such. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of agree. I just, I don't, I'm sitting here going, do I want to get rid of my perfectly good mixer so that I can get a rotary mixer because of some minuscule amount of precision that I think I'm going to get from that? Right. And then, or I could pay a crap load of money and have none of that. The precision you can get, right. but the latency, the latency. Yeah. Just an interesting idea nonetheless. So, so um, I sent out a message on my, my personal Facebook account. And I said that uh, uh, Tony and Tripp and I were going to be recording and that we were looking for, you know, hey, what do you guys suggest for, for topic ideas? And a lot of, a lot of friends and, and, uh, cohorts <laughs> sent in all kinds of cool responses and, and ideas. And uh, this one comes from my friend Rob Turner. So um, I thought it was just a really, really cool uh, uh, question or, or it's actually kind of a couple of questions, but it's just, it really fits in line with the kind of stuff that we like to talk about on the show. So uh, appreciate this question, Rob. And he says, how about discussing what the exact quality is in a DJ? It can make you appreciate or enjoy a genre you think that you dislike. What's the difference between them and other DJs who are objectively skilled but can't, quote, get you there? Um, and then he kind of leaves another comment. It's a little more nuanced, subjective of a question, but my thought was, let's 86 the genre talk and maybe examine the universal qualities that make us appreciate a selector. And I thought that was a really, really cool uh, sort of uh, submission there. So... How I decided to kind of go about this, I talked to the guys here and said, why don't, why don't we all pick a thing that we can kind of each present? Uh, what's, what's our thing? That, what, what is it that gets us there? What's that quality of a DJ that even if there's, you know, if, if they play something and it catches our attention and it's not something we would normally seek out, but it gets us to listen or makes us appreciate that music or that song in a different way, um, what is that? Why, do, why does that happen? Because I'm sure it's happened to all of us. You know, you hear the, a certain song at, at a certain moment and it just does it for you and, and you say, wow, I've heard the song a thousand times and, and it's never done this for me before or that sort of thing. So, uh, so I uh, wanted to go ahead and uh, I, I suggested that we all bring a thing in and it ended up we all are bringing in two things. So uh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So we all uh, definitely have experienced this. So... Um, Trip, do you want to start out? And uh, what is it for for you that what's that quality in a DJ that that catches your attention, even if you don't like their style, or um, maybe just the way they presented something to you really caught your attention in a way you would never have noticed on its own. Part of it, I think, is is track selection, and and that's 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 such an obvious answer, right? Like, I mean, everybody likes a DJ that plays music that they like, right? Sure. But but when it comes to catching my attention, it's got to be more consistent than, okay, you played one of the Beatport top 10 in whatever genre that I happen to like or that the room you know happens to like. One of the things that gets me is when I see a DJ playing and their track selection is nothing from a top 10 or any chart for that matter somebody who takes the time to curate 
their entire library and then read the crowd and be able to present that library in such a way that you don't know where those tracks came from. You don't know if they're theirs or if they're white labels from 1994 or, you know, or, or whatever. Like there's, there's, there's something to be said for somebody who takes the time to really search out music that fits the the mood and the like the vibe yeah the the vibe that they're the, the atmosphere yeah the vibe that they're that they want to put out there as an artist um one of those djs that did it for me early on a friend of ours uh named randy he threw a party called future technology 2 sometime in the late 90s maybe early 2000s and uh the headliner was uh robert curcio and I hope I'm saying that name right. If I'm not, I'm I'm apologizing ahead of time. I've been a fan of this guy forever, but I've never heard anybody say his last name. <laughs> but um, at that at that particular party, um, he played this one track that just totally like it like just brought me in. And from that one track, I couldn't tell you anything that you know comprised that set until later on when he did drop you know a couple of like house tracks that everybody knew was this a track that you were familiar with that this was something you never heard never heard before but it was from somebody famous enough that you know there that record was not hard to find it was actually armand van helden um it was his remix of wars slipping into darkness okay and it's just this really choppy dark just repetitive but it just has this aggressive yet cool tone like techno track it's just i mean there was a point where like after i found out what it was then like i went i ran out i bought that record and then it was like my opening track for every tech house set that i did for like five years so (laughs) it was um but it was just it was that track that once I heard that and it grabbed my attention, you know, I, I have the CD from that night and I, I can't tell you what anything else he played that night was, but, you know, but listening to it, it it's just one of those things where I've never heard any of those other tracks again, but they were, they went with that night. He connected with that, with that crowd and, and, and it was the track selection that just... Do you remember... At what point in the set that song was? Uh, probably maybe a quarter of the way in, third okay. of the way in. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, is that when you heard that song and and it did something for you? Oh, yeah. Obviously, you liked it as a standalone track because you started playing it out. And you, if you're using right. it as an opener, you probably like it on yep. its own merit. Yep. Um, so, um, did you... Was there anything about the context of like when he played it that made you notice it, or was it just such a standout track that the rest of it didn't matter? I think a little bit of both. Like <clears throat> the 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 neat part about that era was that everything was a dirty warehouse rave. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like 
every everything that we were doing here in the Midwest at that point in time was, you know, some kind of a DIY takeover, you know, a, 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 an FOP hall or, you know, bingo hall or a warehouse or anything we could get our hands on. Well, this happened to be a wedding reception center. <laughs> um so that was what was really cool is that, you know, it was this very DIY warehousey feel and, and there, to the, to my recollection, there wasn't like a big, huge, like light production to it all. You know, there was, you know, a couple of party lights or intelligent beams or something, you know, something to say, yeah, there's some lights here, but, but if you went to one of Randy's parties, you knew that you were getting high quality Hmm music when you got there when you got there the whole lineup was going to be quality so i don't think i was really familiar with the headliner at that point but he goes on in the first few tracks okay yeah yeah all right and not to not to down the guy but it was you know a great opening you know there was you know it was filling the room you know people were getting into it whatever but the, until that track dropped and i don't know if it's just the baseline in it or, or the way he mixed it in or whatever. But yeah, the entire mood for everyone just sort of changed. It was like just everything uh, dropped. So it wasn't just you. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a very noticeable transition. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe, uh, just the fact that dropping the right track at the right time maybe it's timing is part of this right for sure for sure knowing how to like when a particular song or a particular piece of song or of a song or a particular effect is going to do something and you know like when's the appropriate time to to do this so that it gets a reaction yep what did you say the song was called sorry it was armand van helden oh armand van helden's um uh, remix of War, uh, Slipping into Darkness. I'll link it, it in, in the show notes for cool, sure. Cool. Yeah. Is it kind of like um, uh, like Spastic when Spastic comes on, or is it a track that has to be played? Because anytime Spastic comes on, you know, Richie Houghton, Spastic, oh, yeah, yeah. everybody freaks out. It's just one of those songs. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm asking. Is it one of those songs? Um, or yeah, like, a, did people freak out because it was recognizable <laughs> or just because it was something cool? It was, it was just, just so timing. dark and chunky. Perfect yeah, like timing. the room was dark and just, the, you know, it, we're talking one in the morning, two in the morning, you know, back when headliners right. took those really late, you know, good slots and all that stuff. And yeah, I think it was just, it was the attitude, the vibe of the track. Uh, one in the morning back matched. then was still early. <laughs> <laughs> Prime time was three. Yeah, no I doubt. Show up by one. Right, right. I don't think I got to that party until after twelve. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, great answers. I'm going in a different direction with my suggestion. Um, I'm going with subtlety. Mm. So, to me, it's what really does it for me is if if the DJ has such an attention to detail that they can take small pieces of sound or music and use them in big ways so and in, in intelligent ways so we're it's kind of track selection too but sure you know when when you're in a situation where i guess when you have when you have that kind of attention to detail it's it's one of those things where every little song element matters you know this and this is kind of the basis of say minimal techno right to where there's not a lot going on so it's got to matter 
and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Small details become really important in those kind of scenarios. So like to, to build on that, one of the things that I love to do when I'm playing tech house and techno is, or really with anything, because that kind of comes down to my blending style. But as I'm going from one track to another, then I will find those things like the hi hats and the snares and and or you know some kind of a percussion yeah. that is is a part of the prominent former track. And as I'm mixing into the next one, instead of just you know always always waiting for the breakdown you know and all yeah. that and then just cut everything out you know like working faders and the eq and all of that stuff to either accentuate or attenuate some of these different elements like the hi-hats and stuff like that and then trying to you know make that part of the incoming track so that it, it all seems like it's just one seamless yeah. transition a lot of people don't notice that sort of thing i was just gonna say that like yeah there, there's something to be said for somebody especially as a dj in 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 our modern climate where it's like it's really easy to do the basics you know what i mean mm-hmm. for somebody to take the time and put all the effort in to you know put a whole lot of effort into something that like a couple people are probably going to notice right because <laughs> at, at the, at, to that point i mean even outside of minimal techno where those types of things do matter hugely mm-hmm. but like you know in breaks you know how many people are actually going to notice that in drum and bass yeah. how many people are actually going to notice that and it may be far few and in between but it it, it makes me feel better to do I that you get a you get a net gain if you do that all the time you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where if if I have a hundred of those subtle moments in a set, maybe maybe nobody will pick out any one of them. But I think you get a net positive by doing that because you care. It's an attention to detail and that sort of thing. And I think that that turns up in your work. Yep, I agree. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's an attention to detail. It's it's it comes down to basically patience and restraint. So would you say that the subtlety for you, is it in those types of details, like the hi-hats and the percussion elements, or, or, or is there something a little more broad or even a finer detail that, that, that you can pick out that makes you appreciate what somebody's doing more? That's a good question. Um, so there, there's kind of two sides to it. One side is it is like particular elements like they're, they're choosing the right hi-hat or picking the right loop or, you know, that sort of thing. There is, like, part of the decision-making process of, okay, what what can I add that will be just enough so that I don't blow my wad on this <laughs> halfway through my set? Right, right. So um, it's so there's that, but there's, there's the patience and restraint thing, too. It's knowing how to hold back. Uh, it you know it comes down to that whole like what's the most stereotypical amateur DJ thing to do is to go out and slam all your banger tracks all at once at nine p.m. <laughs> bang 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 no no ebb and flow it's just all go 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 right. I hate that yep so whatever the opposite of that is is what I like in a DJ <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's a time and a place for that you sure, know sure. but 
you know, that's, that's what most of those like headlining, you know, trap and dubstep and, you know, all of the, uh, those big guys that that's what they're there to do is, yeah. you know, bang. And, and I should specify, like, I, I don't have a problem with that being a set. Like you said, there's a time and place right. for that. But if, if you're asking what I appreciate as a DJ skill, you know what I mean? It would be that. Sure. So Tony, any thoughts? All kinds. Actually, you guys just took the words out of my mouth in your conversation. Um, one thing that I love is seamless mixing. Um, that's one of my biggest, biggest things. Um, when I first got into electronic music, and I knew about it and had been to a couple raves, but really wasn't a big fan of, of what I heard because I didn't understand it at the time, obviously. <clears throat> um, and then a friend of mine brought me Renaissance Sasha and Digweed's Renaissance CD. And Fabulous. I, yeah, and I listened to that whole thing, and from beginning to end, it was hard to tell whether these guys were coming and going, you know? And Those two in particular were great for that, uh, even back when they were just using records. Yeah, yeah. The, the next track was just a little more, and then the next track was just a little more. And it was like they were telling a story with your beginning, your middle, your climax, and your end, you know, but you couldn't tell mm. when, like I said, when they, when they were coming, when the next song comes in, you had no idea. Just one big <laughs> song. Right. Um, and that, that also boils down to attention to detail, bringing in, you know, well, back then we weren't doing the loops and the, and the one shots and all that stuff. So it was just record to record, but applying that to today and bringing in, like you said, the right hi hat, the right snare, the right kick at the right time, or the next song at the right time without people realizing, hey, there's two or three things going on here. I don't want to know. I just want to go on that ride. I want to be able to close my eyes and not be able to tell, you know, when the next song's coming. You know, hell, you could have been through three or four songs, loops, whatever the case may be, and I wouldn't recognize that. But I do know that, hey, 10 minutes later down the line there's something else going on that's making me feel a little different because he did something with the bass he did something with the mids the treble or you know a whole new loop or a whole new song or whatever the case may be but bottom line to me seamless mixing that's one of my main keys and my and main loves of 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 mixing and as a dj and that that <clears throat> type of dj you know it's the dj that's smart enough to use those elements in that way mm-hmm. and not because like we've got I, I hate to keep coming back to the subject we've got sync we've got laptops mm-hmm. we've got tractor and serato we've got anything that you want to manipulate and hack up audio we've got ableton for crying out loud mm-hmm. you can play live so right so what do you, when you've got everything the basics on autopilot like we kind of talked about in the beat matching episode uh, what do you do with all that extra time right so a lot of people will go effects crazy. I think that's mm-hmm. the first place, especially if they're inexperienced DJs. They're just, okay, I need to fill all this extra time with something, <laughs> so I'm going to chain this effect into this effect into this effect it's, and make I, it all go, wow, that, wow, wow, Oh, yeah, I was one of the worst offenders with that. The Flanger uh, King. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tony knows it. Tony knows it. Yeah, like... That old DJ M5 and 600. 5 and 600, amen. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I might as well have just, you know, 
put that you know flanger on permanently you know just rip the button out <laughs> but uh like the last four bars of every 32 oh yeah i mean going into the yeah. next phrase <laughs> yeah and 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 like you said i mean that's that's kind of the mark of, a, of an inexperienced dj and i mean even a few years into you know me djing i i, I still did it you know it, yeah. it, because it became habit and it took a while for me to really break myself of that and be happy with the mix as the mix mm, as is. it is yeah. and, and moderately doing that right yeah because there is a time and a place and you know for for everything flanger included and echo included and delay included all those things but you know back to your point i think subtlety is is more uh more is less is more yeah yeah absolutely okay so great uh Trip, you have another uh, another DJ quality that uh, that does it for you. Yeah. Um, so, kind of breaking away from like the the skill, like the actual mechanical skills that we have. I think stage presence is is a is a huge mm. thing. And as we talk about things like, you know, the the technical ability, seamless mixing, attention to detail, and all of that. The, for a lot of people, and for me, uh, early on especially, uh, that gets lost. It, and when you're on the stage, it's really easy to take your hat and pull it way down over your eyes. Don't look at the crowd, you know, and just get lost in that mixer and, and set of decks and pay attention to every detail to the point where you don't really form that bond with your crowd and you are just every set you should be playing for you as well as that crowd but if you're up on that stage and you're only playing for you and you're not bonding with that crowd you're not reading that crowd then it doesn't matter how much attention to detail you have your stage presence isn't there and do you agree with that tony um in a sense, I'm just yeah. curious because I know that you're really into the, like I'm, get deep into the yeah, mix. Yeah, I'm very, thing. very big into detail in, in the mixer um, in focusing on what I'm doing. There's a difference I, between focusing on what you're doing, though, and having a stage presence. I, I tend having to look a, at the crowd yeah. a little bit, but you know, I, I could fall back on a time when I played uh, a few years ago. I opened for Morgan Page, okay? I was... Um, I, this kid at Ohio State ended up getting the opening slot. He sold a bunch of tickets. He got the opening slot, and he had probably 60 kids there, okay? Um, this kid played Jay-Z and, and you know all this hip-hop and stuff on, a, on an electronic music event, but Uh-oh. these 60 kids loved it, you know? He, yeah. was, he was jumping up and down and, and doing his thing and, you know— then I got up to warm up for and bring the room down and raise him back up for Morgan a little bit. And all 60 of these kids just disappeared, you know, <laughs> because, you know, I'm not jumping up and down and I'm not gracing them with that stage presence. You, you know, I mean, right. there's, I guess there's a, there's limits to stage presence, I guess. I mean, those, those yeah, that's, I, I, that's what they want today, I, I feel. You know, the kids. Yeah, yeah. They want more of the stage presence. But, you know, those kids leave the dance floor and you know i've been playing 20 plus years and my buddy's on the dance floor and he hears these kids like 
this guy sucks. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And, 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 and they don't, they don't really know better. It's because of my stage presence. It's not because I'm giving them the visuals that they want, the, you know, hands up and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah, I, 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 I agree to, to your point trip. Absolutely. I agree with stage presence. I'm just, I guess I'm an introverted person as well. And, you know, and I, so. I, I, I don't, I don't want it to get mistaken that I, that stage presence for me is the guy jumping all over. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Everybody, no, no. I think, I think for me, I think the definition of the stage presence is what's your personality on stage. Can I connect with that personality? You don't have to look at me, right. but I want to see that you're into what you want to. You want to see people feeling what their music that they're playing, what they're doing. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah, because to to your point, I can go and watch Tony and have the time of my life watching him not watch anybody. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm being serious. I, I mean, that sounds funny, but I mean, it, it's it's I, true. I enjoy what just you know we have the benefit of being able to watch Tony, and our listeners perhaps don't, but I like watching Tony play, even right. when like especially when you're you're just zoned in on that tunnel vision like you don't see any further than the djm 900 i love that because i'm like i'm but i'm listening to what i love that subtlety i love it's technically what you're doing it's hard to to use tractor effects 900 nexus effects looping undoing those loops and you know turning your parameters of your effects and stare at the crowd and, you know, right. do the thing and make sure you're coming back in, you know, at the desired point you want to come back in. It's right. difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, thank like, you for the compliment. And especially I especially like it. in, in, in like the techno and the house and all, you know, in those, in those types of genres, you know, it's more about groove. It's not about that showboating, you know? So it, I want, I want to connect with the personality that is up there grooving. So like, if I want to, if I, if I, ever go see like Nicole Maldiber or mm-hmm. Nina Kravitz or or any like any you know buddy of that caliber they can be the greatest they can be you know number one on the DJ list or whatever but if I'm not connecting with them then I'm not going to get that but if 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 I am connecting with that stage presence then I connect with that just like we if we go back a couple of episodes we were talking about girl talk mm-hmm. you know and so yeah girl talk is not a DJ per se, but when you go to a girl talk show, you know what you're in for. This guy has a party. He's jumping all over the place. He's coming out of his clothes, you know? So if I'm going to see girl talk, that's the show that I want to go see. And that's the stage presence that I'm connecting with. You know, relating to, uh, I actually, I went to a concert, uh, probably 10 years ago and it was Whitney Houston. And she, we all know Whitney Houston has a phenomenal voice. She can sing, but man, was it boring because really? all she did was stand there and sing. Mm-hmm. And then she sat in a chair and sang. You know, she had not much stage presence at the time. So kind of correlating And that's something you would expect more. That was a concert for yeah. a singer-songwriter. You would expect there to be stage presence yeah, for crying I mean, out loud. I could sit and listen to Whitney all day long in her voice, but watching her was just... Mm. Right. And when it comes to stage <clears throat> presence for myself, like... I am a complete schizo. So like, because I play five different genres and I've got a different personality for each one of those. You know, if you, if you, if you come and see me play tech house and it, or, or and tech house and techno, that's a whole other stage presence than you're going to get okay. from the guy who plays glitch Hop, which is a completely different, you know, uh, uh, personality from the guy that you're going to get playing drum and bass. So, you know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's all in, for me, it's how are you feeling, what you're presenting, and are you making that, that connection with the crowd? 
Because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here. You, uh, Tony brought up Sasha and Digweed earlier. Mm-hmm. Digweed's a zombie behind it. <laughs> but I will, I will listen to him play for six hours if he's playing for six hours. True. You know? True. So I think, I, actually, I'm going to take that and run with it because uh, my next point is context. And okay. I think that's what's, what's really key here. You know, sure. Not only, it, uh, there's context, there's a number of different layers of context here. So you've got, yeah, there, so let's let's say things that can alter my perception of a piece of music might be what time of day it is, what kind of mood I'm in, um, uh, what songs come before or after the one I'm hearing, or musical elements. Um, the speakers you're listening this, to it yeah. on, or yeah. the people that the you're acoustics. with. Are you in the car? Or are you at home? And the overall, yeah. you talked about the overall atmosphere and the vibe of the night. That definitely has an effect on how I perceive the music I'm hearing. Sure. Uh, I mean, the lighting, the you know, anything to do with the venue, the type of people that are around me, and how much they're feeling it. Yep. Um, Proper HVAC. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like uh, it, it's it's an ability to to match songs or I, I keep trying not to say songs because we might not be playing out full musical we might be grabbing a four bar loop or what musical elements I'll say sure um, using these small musical elements uh, bringing them under a common musical theme right so being able to for, for instance cause the, the, so the, let me reread the actual question again because I think it's important it's how about discussing what the exact quality is in a DJ that can make you appreciate or enjoy a genre you think you dislike? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to me, that has a lot to do with what else is played with it. So in the same set, in this, the, the tracks that are before and after it and that sort of thing. So Danny Howells is a good example. He, uh, he put together an essential mix in 2007, I think. Was it like a four-hour mix? Yeah. Yes, I'm, that mix is amazing. I, yeah, I, it was from I, New York City. I believe he did it in New York. Oh, you're, you're talking about, okay, I, I think you're talking about a live set, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm talking about a, like a Radio 1 essential oh, mix. Oh, got you, got you. Okay. But I, I think I know what one you're talking about too. But this, this was like an, either in one hour or maybe it was two hours um, studio mix, you know. But, it, I mean... The songs that he played in that, you know, he generally plays house, techno. He mixes it up, throws in a little trance here, a little this, whatever. He'll mm-hmm. he'll pick from anywhere, which I really appreciate because it doesn't sound as just disjointed as you would think right. by me saying that. Um, and in this essential mix, he plays like like shoegaze and indie rock and house and trance and and all this kind of stuff together, and it and it sounds great. And it, and it doesn't it doesn't even sound like I'm trying to make a, a sweet mashup right now. It just sounds like a cool hour of music. Right. Like flow. That's it for me right there. You know that that was one of the things that got me to cross over into the drum and bass realm when I very first you know started going to raves and listening to electronic music and all that. I hated drum and bass. I couldn't stand it. I was like, ah, oh, gosh, it's just so chaotic and noisy and you know whatever. Yeah. I used to uh, hang out with a dude. Uh, he lives in Texas now. Uh, he went by the name of Dano. And he was with the he is with the Collective Intelligence Arsenal. And you know, here in Dayton, I, I think we were at a place called Mother Ruckers. I'm sure it's closed by now. Uh, changed names to Sirens or something like that. But it, you know, point is Sirens, <laughs> right? It used to be Odyssey. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's changed hands quite a few times. But um, the point is, is that. 
So he had this routine where he would mix, you know, as a lot of drum and bass DJs did back in the 90s, but he would mix hip-hop in with mm. drum and bass. And... Um, that and me coming from you know my teenage years where they were formed all the way around Seattle grunge, uh, big hair eighties you know Guns and Roses Motley Crue and all that and nineties gangster rap like yeah. I mean that that's you know that's my genesis <laughs> like, <laughs> ah, yeah and it sounds like a crazy mix but I mean you know if you can do anything with any of that and and make it sound cool then you've got my attention. And up to that point, all of the drum and bass that I had heard, I didn't have an appreciation for it because I didn't hear any of that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he plays uh, Saul Williams twice the first time, and that's what he opens with. And I don't know if you've ever heard that. I'll link that in the show notes, okay. too. But he's playing that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's some like really deep, could-be-spoken word, but it's to a beat. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I mean, if anybody knows Saul Williams, it's he's yeah. you know phenomenal. And then all of a sudden... He drops Domin Rollins can't punish me on top of it, and I'm just like, "Are you serious right now?" Like, wait, this is a thing? Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, and and you know, of course, I didn't know as much about music then from a production or DJ standpoint. So I, you know, I wasn't even aware of you know the difference of BPMs where you can mix 90 with 180 and you know, and, right. you know, and all of that stuff. So, I, so they so, were dropping like halftime beats and, yeah, and, and, and hip hop acapellas and right. So I'm sitting here and I'm just like you know mind blown <laughs> and you know and it, and that's what did it for me. So then once I started with that as my drum and bass primer. Then all of a sudden, I found this whole appreciation for it. Then I could go back to things like, you know, Diesel Boy's early selections and all of that stuff. You know, just wow. You know, like now I understand it. Now I get it. And now, you know, I can accept it. It's funny because I, it took me forever to, to, I don't want to say accept, but uh, to accept drum and bass as something I'm, I just will listen to of my own volition. <laughs> was, I think I was in the same place as you initially. Um, the, when I was first kind of getting exposed to it, it was when I was first getting into the whole electronic music thing. I was really into trance at the time. And we were, you know, we talked about before, things were kind of dead in the area at that right. time. And so we were, me and a couple of buddies would like drive to Louisville and a couple places or a couple hours out and, and go to these shows. And we were just trying to figure out what this is all about, you know. And so at these events, they were more generally trance-oriented or something progressive, something like that. Sure. And uh, they would they would have like the drum and bass room, you know. And, <laughs> I remember those days very well. Yeah. yeah. So I would walk in, and it would be you know like a ten by ten room with a, a couple of big ass speakers in it, and I I come from this like. <laughs> Hands in the air, unicorns, and, and all I hear is, <laughs> <laughs> and in this tiny room, I'm like, what is all this? I just, it was like sensory overload. Sure. And of course, it was somebody playing like the the bangingest big track yeah. they could possibly play and stuff. And so that was my yeah. my exposure to it. Um, but then I heard, I started hearing these tracks that had these big trancey breakdowns in it, and I'm like, oh. So this is a thing too. Like, okay, so I can see where there's some crossover. So it kind of caught my attention, but I never really paid much attention to it. And then, you know, fast forward several years, I started getting into more into deep house and stuff like that. And then I heard Liquid, 
and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then once again, oh, <laughs> you know, and so and there it is, context. Then I hear it in a different way, presented to me in a different way, even if it's not by a DJ in this case, even if it's just you know some SoundCloud link I found or whatever. Sure. Uh, suddenly, it, it catches my attention in a way that that I go, maybe I shouldn't write off this whole genre of music because of one crap track that I heard you know what or I mean? because it was presented the, to you the, I, yeah, was the almost, room that you were in was you know sensory over one little thing and, one little thing was off it throws you off of the I, whole, I was like right. almost embarrassed that like once I realized that I was like all of drum and bass is stupid <laughs> but like how how short-sighted right and that's mm-hmm. that's right. totally not my my personality type I don't apply that logic to anything else so why music and so I I kind of took that and then I'm like well, well, how do I feel about dubstep? <laughs> you know, so I had to go back and then like taking that to the, to the nth degree, my wife is really into country. Uh, and so then I started like, you, okay, you I could, yeah, you can stop that. That's what I, no, no, that's no, what no, I tell people gonna, about techno. I'm cut you off right there. Yeah. <laughs> people, I draw the line at country. Yeah. People that don't like techno or a specific style of music, I just tell them, well, the right person has not presented it to mm-hmm. you properly. You know? Absolutely. I mean, that's what I've, it, it takes, you know, but what's proper to that person, who knows? But if something is presented to them properly, I feel they could uh, become to love that or come to love that music, you know, that style. Yeah, and I, and I think that, I mean, if we talk about one of the main cornerstones of being a good DJ, being that crowd reading element, I think that's what it comes down to. It's mm-hmm. being able to see that content, that context empathize with that crowd kind of get an idea of what's going on and then play music that's appropriate to that context that's how you win Mm -hmm. well and and not to take the full responsibility off of the dj because ultimately if you're the one standing up there and you're the one behind the decks and you're the one in control of the speakers you know the, the the responsibility is on you um but we've said it before that you know especially if a promoter or a club owner or a venue owner or uh, an event organizer, whoever, you know, whatever context that you are being brought in, it's up to that promoter to know who you are and what you bring to the table and to be able to properly place you in the night. Mm -hmm. You know, that way you're not outbanging you know the or trying to outbang you know, the headliner. What's funny is sorry to cut you off, but when I go into my gigs, I'm always asking who's playing before me and who's yeah. playing after me because right. it's it's for somebody that plays a four four. I don't like going in after somebody that just plays banging ass drum and bass because it's like drum and bass are some really true heads. They're going balls to the wall on the dance floor, and here I come after that with some you know trying to slowly progress a, a techno yeah. or a tech house set and the next thing you know the dance floor disperses and I have to bring them all back so you know yeah absolutely I feel like it, as long as it's placed the right time throughout the night you know yeah and that's the mark of a good promoter you know and not to knock any promoters that I have played for that don't do this but um, I think that's a, a lost art in the whole DIY that this you know, culture brings is that some people know it and other people don't. And, you know, you, you know, some, there are some promoters out there that are just like, call, you know, the top 50 DJs in the area and just splatter them all on one big, huge flyer. And it's yay fest, you know, and that on the flip side of that, then there's the other ones where you can look at 
the lineup on on a much smaller flyer that has a much cleaner design and you can look at the names and you can pretty much already tell what the lineup is like what the time slots are going to be based on what it is that those people play yeah and 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 then or how they play even right Mm -hmm. exactly tony your final point technical skills okay Um, so we're talking scratching we're talking we're talking let's see um, so a, a story that I was actually talking to you about in the car, um, in 2012, uh, I worked for a company actually, it's called Prime Social Group based out of Columbus and they throw a festival every year in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico called Electro Beach. My first year working and playing that festival, um, I got the opportunity to open for and be next to and stage manage laid back Luke. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, going off of, you know, this guy's statement, Rob, is that his name, right? Yeah. Rob, yeah. okay. Um, you know, I, I really don't like, I can appreciate, but I'm not really into, that's a better way to say it, I guess, is the big room EDM, you know, the bangers, the, you know, BP or the, the B-Port Top 100. It's just really not my thing. Um <clears throat> Watching this guy and his technical skills, uh, you know, he used every fader, he used every knob, he scratched, he did, you know, everything. Because before I before I got started in electronic music, I was into hip hop. I was into all the sure. tricks and the scratching, and and to this day, I still love it. You know, the Cuberts and the Cray. I mean, I can watch those guys for days. Back. Um, but I'm not really big room EDM is not my thing. The whole 32 to 32, you know, build to break down to build to break down. But the way this guy presented it to me, I was just, holy shit, this guy is good. You know, I had heard his name before, never had seen him, but he had blown me away. He really did. This guy, like I said, he did everything, every effects um, that the Nexus 900 uses the loops, the scrolling through the loops, the the pitch bending, everything, you know. And again, it didn't really make me fall in love with the style of music or genre and bring me in. But you know, as this guy said, it took me there. Yeah, you know, I really appreciated the talent, the technical skill, and what that guy brought to that stage. He had presence. He had stage presence, not overboard, mm-hmm. you know, but he had some really good stage presence. He, you know but the technical skill. Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't know if, if it's more so or less so because we're DJs, but when you when you watch a DJ who's able to pull off something that you know is very difficult mm-hmm. and make it sound good, that definitely does something for me. Tricks, <laughs> tricks for sure. are one thing, but are those tricks on time? And that's, that's, yeah. a, that's another thing, you know, have been playing so long, you know, what's on time and what's not. And if somebody scratches really good, that's, hey, that's cool that you scratch really good, but is your timing on point? You yeah. know, are you are you hitting the one, you know, are you doubling up perfectly and, and coming back in? Are you dropping in and out? Or is it on the and and it just doesn't sound right, right. you know? But there's, there's a lot to it. It's not just, hey, this guy can do some really cool tricks. Yeah. He can do cool tricks. He's on time. He's, you know. He's got the whole James package. Avila is probably another oh, good yeah, that guy's example. Really good, yeah. He's he really does fun the, to watch. The Pioneer videos, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that RMX five hundred or one thousand or whatever. One thousand yeah. and CDJs and what does he have? Does he use a 
a DJM two thousand or a nine hundred? I'm not sure. But. Uh, no, he uses the nine hundred. That was when the um, the limited edition Chrome oh, CDJs right, right, right. and the yeah. mixer came out. Yeah. yeah, he did that whole uh, that whole promo video on that. Do you have a favorite technical mixer? I'm trying to think of who who oh. would really stand out. It's, it's hard not to go straight to hip hop. I mean, there's there's so many good hip hop. You know, fact is obviously <laughs> on that list. Jumping into the drum and bass world was um, Danny the Wild Child. Oh, that yeah. guy really comes yeah. to my mind as well. I saw him at Get Freaky Two. Was the first time I saw him. Um, Wilhelm K's party with Sugar Hill Gang, and, and I was never really a big fan of drum and bass either. You know, jungle or anything related to. But I saw that guy. I was just yeah. Freaky flow, I would say. He kills it every time. He and he he adds in, you know, the DMC style, you know, with with the with the jungle and all that. It's, but it's not overboard. It's not yeah. the whole time. I'm just going to scratch and do right. this and do that. It's it's yeah. transitioning. It's smooth transitioning transitions with some scratching and some effects and boom, here you go and you know more mixing. Yeah, for sure. So this is this is kind of cool because we we each brought in two different things. We got six different character traits of DJs and they're they're all related but different. And it's it's kind of cool because you can see, you know, we talked about in the last episode or two, I'm not sure which, we talked about like all the various types of DJs and reasons for them to exist and you might appreciate DJs for this DJ for a different reason than this one and we we've, we've kind of covered a whole big range right here with just these things. I mean, you you know, laid back Luke is not somebody I look to for subtlety, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy watching him go crazy, right? You right. know, and and that sort of thing. So yeah, it kind of kind of comes for full circle with that. Even even from the first trait, which was track selection. Yep. It it, it yeah. They all it, tie in together. Yep. So we've got track selection, stage presence from Trip, seamless mixing and technical skill from Tony, and then I picked subtlety and context. Sound pretty good? Absolutely. All yep. right, guys. Great episode. Thank you so much, Rob, for that suggestion. I think that was some pretty cool uh, pretty cool suggestion. Keep sending them in. Um, we would love to uh, hear more of your guys' ideas, especially if you'd like to leave them as voicemails. So if you go to passionatedj.com forward slash ask, you can leave us a voicemail, whether that's a question, a comment, a rant. Uh, if you just hate us and want to scream at us, we'll take them all. So <laughs> send them in, and we'll see you guys next week, next Monday, for episode 30. Ciao. See you. Later. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. Start with the money chant. <laughs> mm-hmm.